When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Kansas City Blue Jays up 3-1. Francisco Liriano on the mound for the uh, Blue Jays. So far, so good. He's pitched three innings. He's allowed two hits. The run he allowed was not earned. And uh, he has a couple of strikeouts. He's only used 33 pitches uh, through three innings. So the Blue Jays have been hot lately, 19-9 since the start of July. They'll try to keep rolling tonight. We will keep you updated. 7.06. In a couple of minutes, we'll bring in Arash Madani uh, from Rio. Again, I had to tape this earlier today, so I know he's going to tell a great story about Olympian Tanya Verbeek at the end of that interview. Certainly worth listening to, and he'll update you on the, the Zika, Zika virus and uh, the sewage floating everywhere, or, or maybe not. Uh, some text to 6.30, Before the news break, Matthew, we had somebody asking what accent uh, you have. And uh, somebody else texted me and goes, so if he's from Edmonton, what side of town is he from? That might determine the accent. Matthew sounds like he's from the north side. Do we have different accents in different parts of Edmonton? That's a great question, Reed. But you are not from the north side. Have you ever lived on the north side? Never. Well, I, I guess I could say for six months when I was a kid, we lived in Clairview, but that's about it. Well, maybe that determined your accent. I don't know. Well, perhaps it did, but I, I'm usually on the south side, so I'm a south sider. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's amusing. Well, maybe we'll have to get a speech pathologist on the show. Would a speech pathologist determine someone's accent? I just pulled that job title really out of a random space of, on my body. Well, it is a Friday night read, so we got to talk about something, right? <laughs> uh, Ragnar says, "What are these Olympics that you keep mentioning?" Uh, here's a question I have have people just become that jaded about the Olympics I I feel like they're still a big deal and I I feel like there are still going to be some great Canadian stories I, I have to admit I'm chiefly interested in two of the team sports the women's soccer, who are, have already started 1-0 for, for Canadian angles, and the women's basketball team. Because, uh, obviously, they're based in Edmonton. we got some Edmontonians on the team. I'm certainly interested in, in the Canadian sprinters. I, I think there are some things to watch here, and uh, I, I hope we can, we can get down to that and put all of the other stuff uh, aside to some extent. But uh, I mentioned I talked to Arash Madani, from Sportsnet. We're going to bring that interview in now. Arash, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? 
Reed, I'm well. I'm well. I have seen two mosquitoes in five days, so I'm not really that worried about Zika like everybody else seems to be. All right. Well, you answered what would have been my first question. So my second question is, uh, how's the water? Have you seen any sewage floating anywhere? Well, the craziest thing happened yesterday, Reed. We went down to Copacabana Beach to actually film some stand-ups and on-camera things. And no dead bodies came ashore. There were no, you know, body limbs all over the beach. It's it's amazing how how you know things take on a life of their own. Yeah, listen, the air is probably dirty, and parts of the water are probably polluted. But every single Olympics, everybody takes the bait. And when when you get here, and you know tonight they'll have the opening ceremony, it usually goes off with very little issue, and it. It appears as if this one's going to be no different. Give me a sense of just the the the, the vibe around uh, around the the city. I mean, I mean, I mean, hey, we we've had big events in Edmonton, but we, we've never had uh, had an Olympics. So, just what sense do you get from from the locals and people visiting? Well, it's a long time coming, right? And it, it comes at a time where this country has dealt with its turmoil. The fact that they're economy, you know, it's one of the worst recessions they've ever had. Their economy is in a real tough shape. Their government has been overthrown. But this is the chance. This is the chance in the first Olympics ever in Rio, the first Olympics ever in South America, for the music, for the dance, for the flavor, for the culture to be on center stage. And a lot of the people here, you know, the the, the locals are, they want to make sure you're having a good time, and they're imploring you not to fall into the trap of saying how bad everything is because, you know, I'm doing this hit right now with you in a brand-new bus on a brand-new roadway going to a brand-new media village, which is essentially, you know, a nine-condominium unit times three. And, and people are saying, you know, be careful what, you're, what you believe and what you hear and what, you, what you're listening to because the reality is all different. And they're proud of the fact that the Olympics are here. Now, it's all different, right? Everybody's it couldn't be a more polarizing topic than do you want an Olympics in your own backyard? But now that they're here, just like Pan Am in Toronto last year, Reed, now that they're here, the people are excited about what could be ahead over the next three weeks. Well, it's going to be fun. Um Arash, give me a give me a sense of uh, of what you're gonna be uh, covering because this is obviously a privilege for you as, as someone in the in the media to, to to take in some of this firsthand. Yeah, it really is. This is my third one, and just couldn't be happier to be here. It's a little bit of everything, Lee. I mean, you're following medals. We're really, you know, we're basically seeking Canadian medals and then trying to tell those stories. And at the same time, there are a number. There are a number of events on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 1. For instance, tomorrow, Eugenie Bouchard's phone, Stevens match will air on Sportsnet. The Bashik Bosco game will be match on Sportsnet 1. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be a mix of kind of what's on the network and where the big Canadian stories are. And right off the bat, you know, on tomorrow, Canada, Zimbabwe, women's soccer, after the win over Australia, can they keep it going? The women's basketball gets underway tomorrow against China. Kia Nurse coming back from sports hernia surgery, the terrific player who led Canada gold at the Pan Am last year. So it's, it'll be a number of things, but ultimately Canadians want to celebrate with medals, and we want to be there to kind of chronicle the story 
of some of Canada's great Olympic heroes. Well, I'm glad you brought up the women's soccer team, Rash, because as you know, they are based in Edmonton. They played China a month ago in a three-game series and, and won all three games, and now they play them right again. They qualified for the Olympics in the qualifier here in Edmonton last summer, so there's a special connection between our city and that team. And they're an interesting one because, you know, you wouldn't look at the international rankings and, and say they're necessarily a favorite to get a medal, but you look at their history and, and you mentioned Kia Nurse. I mean, you got the uh, the Plouffe sisters as important depth players on that team. They're from Edmonton. And you wonder if that basketball team could be that special, you know, lightning in a bottle team that might be able to get on a bit of a roll here at the right time. Well, there's a couple of things in their favor. One, the United States is actually in their group. So unlike London 2012, where Canada got out of the round robin, in the first round of the elimination, they can't face the powerhouse United States. So if they finish second in their pool, then they're through and they won't have to face the U.S. until down the road. Now, when you speak with Canada basketball officials, what they'll tell you is that the goal is gold in 2020. I mean, they really believe there's a shot that they can beat the Americans if all systems continue to go four years from now. And yeah, Reed, it's an interesting group because you have the youth of this Canadian team, along with some of the men, along with some of the people who were around four years ago that made that plunge. And so, you know, Lisa Tamai is the head of the coach. This is a really good team. And this is, this is a, a potential medal team if things go well, if Nurse is healthy, but miles to go before we sleep there. Arash Madani from Sportsnet joining us from Rio. He's covering the Olympic Games. Okay, so you said this was your uh, your third. So what, what did you do the, the last two, or which other ones were you at? Yeah, London and Sochi. So what, I mean, any uh, anything stand out from there that you're never going to forget? I mean, whether it was covering an event or uh, a meal or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know well, what I mean? I'll never forget is what fifty-one billion dollars can buy you in Sochi, <laughs> right? That was the Vladimir Putin uh, message to the world that we can, you know, we'll outspend you to put on a heck of a show, and that's exactly what they did. But what I'll remember from London, outside of Andy Murray finally knocking off Roger Federer on center court on the final Sunday of an event at the Old England Club, is a story with Canadian Tanya Verbeek-Reed. And, you know, this wasn't long after LeBron James made the decision to go to Miami because he wanted to, you know, win championships there. And Verbeek was in her third Olympics in her early 30s, devoted her entire life to wrestling, women's wrestling. And for 11 straight years, she had lost, well, for 11 straight years, the world champion was a Japanese wrestler by the name of Saori Yoshida. And in 2004, Tanya Verbeek lost in the gold medal match to Yoshida. She won a silver. In 2008, in the semifinals, Yoshida beat her. Verbeek went on to win bronze. And there she was, London 2012. Yoshida beat her in the gold medal match. And Verbeek is ear-to-ear grinning with the silver medal around her neck. Her third straight Olympics with a medal. And listen, I mean, what do we know about wrestling, right? Freestyle wrestling. So I just asked her, I said, listen, you know, in tennis, people wonder, 
if not for Nadal and Federer and Djokovic, could somebody else have emerged? And in golf, if not for Tiger and Mickelson, would somebody else be in the mix? I asked her, do you ever wonder, if not for Sahori Yoshida, who's won 11 straight world championships and three straight Olympic gold medals, do you ever wonder if maybe once, once one of these medals would be gold instead of silver? And her answer reads was, well, then what would the challenge be? And I just froze. I didn't know what to say. And afterwards, Verbeek actually saw me in the hall, and she said, did I say something wrong? I said, no, Tanya. You have to understand, uh, the world I come from in professional sports, what would the challenge be was not what LeBron thought when he chose the Miami Heat. What would the challenge be is not Kevin Durant making the decision a couple months back to go to Golden State. And that's where these games are so different. What would the challenge be? It's about the challenge to succeed, to grow, to to compete, to be among the best. And and that's one thing that I'll never forget from London 2012 and Tanya Verbeek. It's the challenge that motivates these athletes. It's not about just winning. Yeah, that's the gravy. But the challenge is what it's all about. Arash, incredible story. Thanks for saying uh, for sharing that, and, and I know you're busy, so thanks again for making time for us here on 6.30 Chet in Edmonton. Enjoy the next couple of weeks, buddy. Okay, Ray, appreciate it, man. That is Arash Madani joining us uh, to d- tape that earlier today. Love that story about Tanya Verbeek. Want to talk more about that when we get back. It's Inside Sports on Chet. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Oh, there we go, the Imperial March. Thanks for tuning in tonight, Inside Sports on 630 Chad. Kirk says, tell us when the last city made money by hosting the Olympics. Hundreds of billions spent, fractions made. You guys are reporters, right? That is from Kirk. Uh, well, I did a quick Google. It says the uh, Beijing Olympics made money. It says Salt Lake City made money. Uh, it said Atlanta, both Calgary and Seoul in 1988. Uh, I texted Kirk that back. He says no. Uh, 1988 was the last Olympics. I, I'm not going to argue with you, Kirk. I'm sorry you're upset about the cost of the Olympics. I don't know what else to tell you. Uh, man, Kirk's a loyal texture. I've never seen him uh, this upset about it, though. Interesting. Uh, all right. Nell says, uh, Reed, good show. I'm pumped for the debut of uh, Rugby Sevens at the Olympics. The Canadian women are contenders, and they play this weekend. Yes, uh, thanks for the reminder there. Jen Kish, Edmonton area product on the Rugby Sevens team. That's going to be cool. They play more than one uh, match in a day. Matches don't take very long. So, yeah, it's like a four-day tournament. That'll go by quickly. Pretty fun action. Uh uh, we, Chad says we are looking for a linguist, not a speech pathologist, to determine your accent, Matthew Panashik, if you have one. 
I don't uh, think I do, but who knows? Shorty says those people who study language can place what part of town you grew up in, except for Canadians. I guess because we are so multicultural, they can't be as accurate. They are a little more accurate with people from Newfoundland, though. All right? <laughs> um, Oz says, I don't believe in the spirit of the Olympics anymore because of all the scandals. I will pretty much suspect every gold medal winner of having a little extra spirit. Insert injection joke here to go with their win. That is from Oz. All right. The uh, ceremonies are going on tonight. Well, maybe they're over. I changed over to the Blue Jays games. They're still up 3-1 in the top of the fifth. I love that story about Tanya Verbeek that, uh, that Arash Madani told. Uh, she never won gold in the Olympics. She lost to the same wrestler every time, wound up with a silver in Athens, a bronze in Beijing, and a silver in London. And when he said, you know, did you ever think about the fact that maybe if this one person wasn't there, this would be you winning all the gold medals? And she said, well, wh where would be the challenge in that? And, you know, I was thinking about that throughout the afternoon. And, and look, we, I think we, at least I always thought, Matthew, especially in the Summer Olympics, I think we've always wished Canada could do a little better. You know, like our men's, you know, some of our men's teams, men's basketball, men's soccer aren't even in the tournaments. And people were tweeting out earlier tonight that Canada has almost as many athletes as China in the games, even though China has over a billion people, right? But China wins way more medals. So I think there's always been that sense. It's like, well, why can't Canada do better? You know, we're a, de we're a developed nation. We got training. We got, you know, health and all this stuff. And, that, and, that, and that's fair enough. And, and look, a lot of these athletes don't get any attention uh, except when they're in the Olympics for that two-week stint where they're, they're training and doing World Cup competitions and all that stuff during the time. But I, th I thought that was interesting about Tanya Verbeek, who... You know, it'd be easy to say, well, she didn't win. You know, she didn't win. She keeps not getting gold. She can't beat this one person. And for her, that was a driving force. Where would be the challenge if I didn't have this one person to go against? And then maybe she didn't beat that person in the Olympics, but that kept her going every day. And when you look back on it, I mean, I guess there are two ways to look back on it. You can say that she had this great career and came up short when it counted and couldn't get over the hump. Okay, that's one way to look look at it. And she never got the gold medal that, that would have had everybody celebrating. Or you can look at it and say she went to three Olympics and got a medal in every one. And I guess sometimes you have to look at it. If Tanya Verbeek were your, uh, you know, wife, mother, daughter, cousin, sister, girlfriend, whatever... You know, or if, or if, you, if you've got a daughter right now who, who's aspiring to be something... Wouldn't you say someone like Tanya Verbeek is a role model, a three-time Olympian and a three-time medalist? So I thought that was a, a, a pretty cool story. And, and as Arash said, he was a little surprised by the answer. He was a little surprised by the answer. He didn't expect it. Maybe he expected something a little more downbeat from her. But she said, where would be the challenge in that if I was just the best in the world and beating everybody all the time? 727 Inside Sports on 630 Chet. I appreciate you tuning in tonight. Southside Rob says, uh, if you were uh, at the Summer Olympics, which sport would you compete in? 
Probably weightlifting. Another texture says, does Kirk not realize that all of the infrastructure that gets built can be used for years after? The cost, therefore, should be spread over those years so it is a way to build as well. Coming up, we'll talk a little bit about costs and owning a sports franchise. Patrick Cassidy, owner of the Edmonton Prospects, who, by the way, are going to be hosting a couple of playoff games Sunday and Monday at the Edmonton Ballpark. We'll keep you updated on the Blue Jays, too. Inside Sports on Chet. You're listening to 630 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. You sure are. Blue Jays up 3-2 on Kansas City, bottom of the fifth. Francisco Liriano on the hill for the Blue Jays. Another baseball game to tell you about. The Edmonton prospects are scoreless with the Medicine Hat Mavericks bottom of the second inning in Medicine Hat in uh, their division final. The league semifinal basically is what that amounts to after uh, the prospects upset Okotoks in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, the Edmonton prospects, a uh, uh, team with a lot of uh, history, and it's been an interesting season for them. And uh, to talk about that, and to tee up their upcoming playoff series, I'm pleased to bring in the owner of the team, Patrick Cassidy. Patrick, thanks for making time for us tonight on 6:30. Chad, Ben, how are you doing? Good, my pleasure. Yeah, it's good to good to although, talk to you. It's one nothing. I'll read just to let you know. Oh, it is okay. I just yeah. uh, I got it all the way for yeah. for Edmonton. It happened while you were talking. No, the Mavericks just scored in the bottom of the second. Medicine Hat just scored. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to make sure my uh, auto-refresh is on on this website. Yeah, you've got to have your auto-refresh working properly. Okay. Or I'll just, okay, now I did it manually. So anyway, uh, not, hey, it's only one run. and uh, That's right. It's just one run. It's early. You guys scored a lot against Okotoks in a, in a couple games as well. Uh, so what's going on with your, with your schedule here? you got home games, uh, I guess, Sunday and Monday if necessary? Yep, Sunday, Monday. Uh, Sunday we uh, we go at five. We've got a, a Sunday or Saturday night game. I imagine the guys will probably roll back into Edmonton around four o'clock in the morning. So we uh, we push the start. Normally we start our Sunday games at two o'clock, but we pushed it back to five o'clock just to you know give everybody a little more time to get over there. Yeah. All right. And uh, I guess depending on how the series goes, there'll be another game Monday night at, at the Edmonton Ballpark. Uh, right. Pa- that'd be that'd be a regular seven oh five game. Yeah. Uh, Patrick. Uh, I mean, tell us. Just give the fans who don't know uh, the, the lowdown on the Edmonton prospect and Edmonton prospects and the Western uh, Major Baseball League. Who are the guys playing in this league? Where do the players come from? Why are they here? Well, we've got players. Um... From um, you know, there's a lot of uh, Canadian content, a lot of local players. Uh, most of them would uh, be playing college baseball down in the U.S. somewhere. Although we've got some playing out at the University of British Columbia and, and uh, a couple other uh, schools in, in the Vancouver area. Um, we've got uh, players that are American players that uh, come in from just about anywhere in the U.S. Uh, nowhere specifically, just. Wherever you recruit and find them, and we're, you know they're willing to come, and they're the type of player we're looking for, we uh, we bring them up here. All right, so th- there's a lot of work, I guess, uh, in assembling a roster. Fair to say, it starts uh, the minute the season's over. As a matter of fact, it's probably already started. We've already started recruiting for next year and talking to to various kids, and uh, they, they they call and, and ask if there's spots available for next year, and 
and we uh, we go out and look for players as well. And so it's a it's pretty much a year round uh, process, looking for players, recruiting. Big part of uh, having a successful team in the Western Major Baseball League is is in your recruitment. You got to have you got to bring some talent in. You got to have something to work with, and then you hope that the coaching staff you've got in place can mold them into a, a team by the end of the year, which. You know, in our case, is, uh, seems to be working out to some degree this year. Yeah, for sure. Well, you guys, uh, you know, upset the first place team in in, in your division, and uh, like I mentioned, now you're in the in the division final. Uh, tell us when and why uh, you got into this, uh, Patrick. Because um, I, I mean, I'm guessing it's not the. Uh, I mean, I don't want to make this sound insulting, but it, I imagine, it's, or, or, and I don't expect you to open up your, your books here, but I imagine it's not the uh, easiest thing to make uh, a lot of money doing, uh, owning a baseball team at, at this level. Well, I, we're still working on that part of it, right? Trying yeah. to make some money at it. Uh, I think uh, the last couple of years, it's uh, it's actually been a muchly improved situation. And, uh, you know, I think especially with the playoff run this year, we're going to make a little bit of money, but... Uh, you know, this this isn't big, big business and, and, and highly lucrative by any stretch. So there's a lot of reasons a, a person like myself would, would get involved in, in something like this. I mean, a, a passion for baseball. Um, this type of program is instrumental in helping the development of baseball in, in the area and in terms of what it does uh, at the grassroots levels and, you know, and, and that connection we make with the grassroots. And uh, we're one of the few teams in the league that uh, – have a high number of, of local players playing on our club. And, uh, you know, that all bodes well in terms of developing local talent and, and really inspiring and up-and-coming up, up baseball players in this area. Patrick Cassidy joining us from the uh, Edmonton uh, Prospects is talking a little bit about his involvement uh, with the team. Is this your 10th season now with the club? I think it's 9 or 10. I guess you the math. Uh, first year of involvement was 2007. Uh, so it's 2016. So I think we're we're nine or ten years into it. No, did, did, no, they existed before you got involved, or did you bring them in they, as an? They uh, they actually started in 2005 under a different group. And, okay. Uh, that first year they tried to share the ballpark with with the Cracker Cats at the time. And, right. Uh, I don't know if you know some people remember, but that didn't that didn't work out too well. Right, and then you guys were at another park, and now you've been back in, it's not Tellus Field anymore, though a lot of people still call it that. It's the Edmonton Ballpark, I guess. What, That's right, yeah. Uh, I mean, we, has, we went to St. Albert, and then we were over on the south side at John Fry Ballpark. And then uh, the year, the, uh, I believe it was 2011, the Capitals announced they, they were suspending their, their season. Uh, sort of last minute, we had an opportunity to, to jump up to the plate, so to speak, and... Uh, play that season out of out of Tellus Field in 2005 or 2011. And so we've, we've been at the ballpark for this is our fifth year of operation there. So obviously it's working and I should tell people I I did some PA announcing for you guys about 4 or 5 years ago. I probably did about a, a couple dozen games spread over over 2 years when when I was available and I enjoyed it I enjoyed it. Uh, the that's team before you that's before you were big time Reed Wilkins. Now. Well, I don't know about that, but the t- the team wasn't wasn't great on the field over uh, the last couple of years. Have you feel do you feel you've got a good fan response from uh, the team being more competitive recently? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, we uh, brought in a, a, a new and very experienced coaching staff. This will be their third year, and uh, you know we've uh, we've improved. Uh, each year since then, I, I would say our record in terms of wins and losses 
uh, maybe maybe is about the same as last year, but but the club is 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 much better. We uh, we're more competitive, and in in most games there weren't too many games we weren't in this year, and I think uh, they started to gel late, and that's what's allowed us to, you know, get into the playoffs uh, on the right note. Right, uh, still one nothing, Medicine Hat leading the prospects that game now into the uh, third inning, in in Medicine Hat. Is it? Yeah, I mean, give me give give people a sense of of your. I mean, tell us field. Or the, I'm just going to keep calling it that because that's how we all know <laughs> well, it. Well, that's hard to hard to get out <laughs> yeah. of that habit for anybody. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, is this the thing where you get a couple thousand people? You get 800 people? Does does it vary depending on the weather and the <laughs> time of day? Like, how many people do well, you draw? You know, I would say the biggest factor in terms of uh, how many people show up at the gate. I, I mean. Predominantly, we are a, a walk-up city. Most of our crowd base uh, are walk-up. Uh, they, they, they realize that, uh, you know, it's a big ballpark and uh, the chances of, of a sellout other than Canada Day are pretty remote. So, you know, they feel pretty comfortable. They can just buy their tickets as, on an as-need basis. So they, uh, they gauge the weather. They stick their finger outside and see what's happening and decide to, to come down to the ballpark or not. So, so weather plays a huge role in what kind of crowds we get? I mean, we can get uh, 1,500 one night, and, and and it's a beautiful day. And the very next night, the weather turns, or especially if it happens mid-afternoon, three, four o'clock. It, you know, it's kind of looking like oh, it could be a bit of an ugly night. Well, we might end up with five or six hundred. Right. Okay. What's so, it so, been? Yeah, very very weather dependent. What's it been like this season sharing the ballpark with the with the team from Fort McMurray? Because obviously the I mean, they were going to play at home, but the but the fire happened. How how has that worked logistically? Having two teams out of there, it actually uh, it actually worked out pretty good. Um, you know, we uh, when we were looking at this uh, back in I guess it would have been uh, April. Um, you know, we looked at the, the schedules for both clubs and and realized that you know with a few tweaks here and there, this was actually quite doable and not that difficult. And uh, so this is you know uh, Port McMurray finally decided yes, we're going to do this. And we made those changes, and it was it was pretty seamless. I mean, from our perspective, uh, we ended up with about uh, we played a game, our first opening day game on the 28th of May, and then we had uh, I believe it was five or six nights off, which is highly unusual. Normally, you get going and you're going every night or every second night, and in this instance, because of that uh, scheduling change, we had quite a break in our schedule early in the season, but. Um, you know, and then and then of course on the other end we we played a lot of baseball in July to make up for that. Uh, so th- so there were some some conditions like that 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 came up as a result. But you know, working with uh, the Fort McMurray people, their, their, their ownership, it, it was uh, they were they were great to work with. Dutch and Eddie's a you know a super guy, and uh, we uh, there was lots of compromise and and uh, working together, and it worked out really well. And uh, you know, worked out really well for them. They were able to get back up to Fort McMurray at the end of uh, June. And it worked out well for the league because uh, if that team would have, uh, you know, decided not to go this year, there would have been all kinds of scheduling implications and gate losses in various parks. And it it would have been a a nightmare throughout the league. Right. All right. Well, you know, it's it's a it's a positive story, and I mean, I have some friends who who go to a lot of your games and they enjoy going to baseball, and it is a beautiful park to to watch a game in. And like you said, there have been more wins for the prospects this season. I'll, I'll let you end, Patrick. With uh, I'll, I'll let I'll give you a free commercial here. Just uh, give people why they should come out to one of your playoff games uh, Sunday and another one on Monday if the series goes four games. 
Well, they should go out for the same reasons I go out. I, I, I enjoy baseball. You're going to see some terrific baseball. Uh, you're going to, you know, you're going to, there's lots of uh, scoring in the Western Major Baseball League. Uh, you see, see some you know teams with some, some really good defense. Uh, we put on a, a pretty darn good uh, game day show, so the, so the entertainment's good. You know, there's, there's food, there's hot dogs, there's beer, there's all that kind of stuff you would normally have at a baseball game. And, uh, you know, it's, a, it's, 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 it's like a picnic, and, uh, you know, we're, we're just uh, hoping that as many Edmontonians as possible can come out to the, to the ballpark, support the team. And that's the other important part of it is we need to, to show support for baseball in this community with, uh, with all that's been going on with, uh, with the field, et cetera. Right on. Patrick, thanks for making time for me tonight. Uh, I know you're getting ready for the, uh, for the playoff game. Again, it's Sunday at 5. And uh, what's your website again? Uh, prospectsbaseballclub.com. Okay, perfect. People can find out more there. Really appreciate your time, Patrick, and all the best in this playoff series against Medicine Hat. All right, you're welcome, Reed. Thank you. That is Patrick Cassidy checking in tonight on uh, Inside Sports. Uh, interesting stuff about the Edmonton prospects. And, uh, you know, I know that the people that like baseball in this city are, are pretty hardcore about it. Certainly we had a AAA team for a long time. Uh, the Trappers, the uh, Cracker Cats, and then the Capitals were kind of in that independent double uh, A-ish uh, sort of range. But there was a lot of... Uh, certainly a lot of goofy stuff, I guess, going on. The Capitals won the championship their last season there against a uh, the winner of the South Division. I remember covering that series, and there were some problems getting some players across the border. So they the team, I can't remember which team it was, they added some players from the team they just beat in the division final, and the Capitals were still able to, to come away with the victory. But the prospects, like you said, you know, some college kids playing in their uh, offseason, trying to keep going and keep in shape and and uh, better their careers. And uh, the prospects, after being just a couple games under 500 during the regular season, knocked off first place Okotoks in the division semifinal, now in the division final against Medicine Hat, trailing the Mavericks one nothing in the bottom of the third. It is Inside Sports on 630. Chad, you can text 630-630. Our phone number is 780-496-0063. A little more football talk coming up as we get you ready for the Eskimos game against the Ottawa Red Blacks. And we'll talk a little golf as well with Taylor Sinski from the court. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. 3-3, Blue Jays in Kansas City, bottom of the sixth. Orioles leading the White Sox 4-2, bottom of the fifth. O's and Jays tied for first in the American League East. Your scoreboard is courtesy of Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, you can visit crystalglass.ca. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Uh, Rick has texted the show. Rick, I know your directions uh, were that this text is for Bruce on Monday. Uh, well, I got some bad news for you. If you, if we don't go back and look for texts that listeners uh, sent us. If someone texted me at at two a.m., I, I wouldn't see it, would I, Matthew? I see the text between six and nine. Exactly. So if you really want to make sure you get the message through, you got to email me inside sports at six thirty chat dot com. But Rick, this is a funny text, so I'm going to read it. At the opening ceremonies, the checks wore stripes. Didn't someone tell them those two things don't go together? Rick's text messages where fashion and sports meet to combine into humor. That is a good one from Rick. You can tweet me out, Reed Wilkins. Dead Rat Man, one of my favorite uh, Twitter followers, 
I don't know if he has dead rats around him all the time or what. He says, stop talking about money in the Olympics. You're upsetting people. Now let's talk about the Hall trade. Hashtag get over it. That is from Dead Rat Man. <laughs> uh, but it's, did you know it's International Beer Day? I did. Do you have the app on your phone uh, untapped? I should get that app. Sounds like a really cool app. U-N-T-A-P-P-D. So you can uh, check in your beers. I, I do this. So you, you have a beer. You look for it on the app. You check in that you had it. You can rate it out of five. You can write comments about it if you want. And uh, then you can see what other people rate it. And you can have friends on here and see what they've tried. And it, I don't know, it's kind of fun if you, if, if you enjoy trying different types of beer as I do. Uh, sometimes you might even get a reply from... I've, I've, I'm, I'm going to tell this story. And, I, and I'm pretty sure that this company advertises on our station. So that's just the way it goes. Um, you've heard of this beer. Uh, what is it called? Original 16? Oh, yeah. Is that, is that, is that the one, uh, is that, that, that's the one we're talking about? That rings a bell. So a buddy of mine had this Original 16 beer. And uh, what do they call themselves in their ads? A Great Western Brewing Company? So my buddy uh, rates their beer, gives it a, uh, you know, not a very high rating, and he writes it a comment, mediocre Western Brewing Company, am I right? So the uh, Great Western Brewing Company replies to this, we'd like to think not. We are the number one independent brewery in Canada making award-winning beers. Hopefully we could get you to reconsider. So uh, there you go. You can uh, draw someone's uh, attention if you don't give their beer a positive enough rating and you write a sarcastic comment about their beer. I could tell another story about this individual uh, rating beers, but (laughs) here's a great reference by my buddy. So he he, uh, has a kokanee, and he rates it half a star out of five. And his comment, oh, this this isn't going to make sense to younger people. But his comment was the Ishtar of beers. Do you get do you get that one, Matthew? The Ishtar of beers. Ishtar, I'm gonna look it up on the flyer. Ishtar was a movie that came out, I want to say around 1986. Uh 1987. Uh Warren Beatty. And was it Dustin Hoffman? Yes, uh, Warren Beatty and Dustin Hoffman, produced by Warren Beatty. And uh, yeah, it's a, known as kind of being a big flop. A budget of $51 million, it made $14.3 million, considered by some critics to be one of the worst films ever made. It oh, certainly didn't live up to the hype. It happens sometimes, right? So uh, my buddy calls Kokody the Ishtar of beers. He's a sarcastic guy. Anyway, Untapped. Interesting. If you have the Untapped app, you can get it. And uh, you, I, I will be your friend on Untapped if you send me a request. I think I'm just Reed Wilkins on there. Do I have a picture of myself? Yeah, there's just a picture of me sitting there with my hand on my chin. That's it. And it's fun. You get little badges for having certain types of beer or for quantities of beer, different varieties of beer. Anyway, it is International Beer Day. Sometimes we uh, talk a little bit about beer on this show. We haven't done a beer segment in a while, eh? 
We should do another one before the end of the summer. Those are fun. Mostly because we get free beer. Yes, that's for sure. A reminder, this is not just a regular edition of Inside Sports. It's an Inside Sports Friday night dance party. Got a question for you, better answer now. Yeah. Am I you? Dancing now. Matthew Panashik's dancing like he's in a cage on the other side of the window. All right. Uh, we may do another dance party segment before the end of the show. Uh, it's inside sports on 6:30. Chad, need some Spice Girls, buddy. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. I did select any Spice Girls. Now I'm not going to have any, and people are going to get mad because you suggested them. Like I can pull them up. Just go, just go with what I'm doing. Don't try to change it on the fly. All right. Do you want to know how much work I put into that this afternoon, recording songs off YouTube? At least seven minutes. Jeez. Like it was no exa- it was exhausting to concentrate on something for that long. No wonder I walked by your office and I saw you sweating. I'm like, what is going on in there? Yeah, I don't. By the way, it's freezing in the sports department. I don't know what's. <laughs> it's so. It's like Morley was talking about uh, air conditioning and stuff earlier. I don't know what it's what's going on. I don't. Know, I don't mean to complain about it. It's just more odd than anything else. It's it's fairly warm outside today. I I think I wouldn't know. Because the sports the, the sports department is like a meat locker, and I'm the only one in there. Dave's away, Morley's away, and we share space with Kelsey Campbell and Ryan Jesperson from the Ryan Jesperson show. I'm the only one back there, and, and people must have been like, "Oh, Wilkins is the only one back there." Let's just turn the heat down because we don't have to worry about one person. So let's just, you know, aren't they using more power though by turning up the air conditioning that high? I I don't know. But like I, I was, I was like, well, maybe I'll wear shorts to work today. And then I remembered, no, I can't because it's like minus four in the sports department. Wow. Well, Halsey comes in, he's like, hey, Reed, it's cold here. What are you stupid? Like, no, Halsey, someone turned it down. Anyway, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We had Bill Ranford on the show earlier tonight. The alumni rosters have been announced for the Winter Classic. That game will be October twenty second. Oilers legends, Jets legends. More on six thirty Ched dot com. Mike Riley, Jason Moss coming up in the final hour of the show. Eskimos and Red Blacks will play tomorrow. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.